Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. So, misfortune seems to have a particular attraction towards DFYT recently. It's honestly been a rollercoaster ride of emotion. After losing our episode last week, we tried frantically to have another session, but weren't really able to organize something in short notice. Just when all hope seemed lost, Zane, the host of the Sword and Quill podcast and streamer extraordinaire, went above and beyond and came to our rescue by organizing a session with several truly wonderful people. Everything seemed perfect and we recorded the episode and I had so much fun playing with everyone, but unfortunately it turned out that there was a glitch in the software we were using to record people remotely and two of the six tracks were lost. Forever. I honestly can't express how sad I am about this, especially after everyone put so much effort and so much talent into the recording. Shortly afterwards, Auckland went into lockdown again, and this freed up some time from a few of our regulars, so we were able to organize another recording session. That's what you'll be listening to today. But I just want to give a shout out to the wonderful, wonderful people who agreed to join us on such short notice for the session that was lost. It was truly a wonderful experience to play with them, and I'm definitely going to have them all back so that we can show you, listeners, the awesome and wacky adventures of the crew of the Soliloquy. If you've got even a moment to spare, please go check out the wonderful work of Zane, Lorai, Blue, Tabby, and Maka. We put down the links to their Twitters in the description below. So, today's episode features a game called Downfall, written by Carolyn Hobbs from Less Than Three Games. It is a game where you create a society with a rich cultural landscape, building the world from the perspective of traditions and culture. Then, we roleplay the corruption and subsequent downfall of the society through the lens of three characters, the hero, the fallen, and the pillar. Today's episode contains all the world building and character creation for this game, and next week's episode will have all the juicy roleplay. It's a bit different from our usual episodes, but I really hope that you all enjoy it. Be it our strength. Today we're joined again with a familiar voice, Michaela. Michaela, how's Hello. it going? Good, thank you. What's what's life been up to? Do do do, do tell us. Like plug plug anything you want. You know, tell <laughs> tell the audience who you are. Why do you matter, Michaela? <laughs> well, for the past month, um, I've been composing the soundtrack for Aaron's play, um, and I'm going to be releasing the soundtrack as an album on Bandcamp um at the end of march so i'm on twitter soundcloud and bandcamp um under the name mikate music so yeah give me a follow please um and we also got erin back again with us hello yeah so for those of you who are regular listeners you might have heard that my solo show coded which michaela has been composing the music for um was supposed to be on later this week but due to Auckland being in lockdown it has been postponed to the 25th to the 27th of March you heard it here first so if you're in Auckland and you want to come see my solo show those are the new dates you can go to www.tapac.org to check it out 
this is, this is the first time I've heard anyone say dub 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 in a long time. Really? It's like, you know, <laughs> oh, call back to the early 2000s. This is 2000s. making me feel old here. <laughs> so Downfall is a game where we create a world, create a society based on what we will call a floor. And the society based on the floor that we've created. Then we explore how the floor actually influences our society and the traditions and the norms within that society. And finally, and this is the most exciting bit, we explore through roleplay how that floor seeps into the most important parts of the society and finally leads to its destruction. To start off the game, we start by defining our floor. So the floor in this case is what is the theme for our society? What will cause our society to basically self-destruct? It's generally a human failing, for example, ambition, nationalism, loyalty, racism, and really anything we want. So what, what, what are we thinking? What are we feeling like at the moment? I'm kind of leaning towards something like perfectionism or loyalty, mm-hmm. like something that um, seems good, but then I'm interested to see mm. how it like destroys everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how about you, Erin? Yeah, I was thinking of like materialism. If we want to make it really about capitalism, which I always do. <laughs> I feel like we don't need more capitalist um, um, society. But I do like the idea of um, yeah, but it's going to be destroyed. Is that why well, you just want to destroy capitalism? <laughs> I want to destroy society. capitalism. Um, but I do like the idea of what you were saying, Michaela, about it being something that's kind of good and then it, it comes crumbling down. So, yeah, like perfectionism or hmm. ambition even. Yeah. What about like discipline? Hmm. Discipline. Could be interesting. Discipline. Is, wait, how is that a human flaw? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just something extreme that could be a flaw. Ah, I see. Yeah, if you're just kind of... Um... So I think we're going for perfectionism then. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess. Maybe that's... we should just go for perfectionism. Yeah. In, in what context? What does perfectionism mean? Yeah. yeah. I feel like if we can go for something like perfectionism, but just a bit adjacent to it. Yeah, exactly. So that it kind of has, yeah. It has a, its own specific spin. Well, what were you thinking when you were both thinking of perfectionism? First thing that came to mind was symmetry. Symmetry. (laughs) Okay. What about like um, idealism? Ah, idealism. So there's kind of, because I think in that way there's, you know, one, one correct way of living, one correct way of doing things almost. Mm. Or at least one thing that you're aiming for. So I think the problem here is that we're looking at it as a flaw, but we need to look at it as a normal human quality that we think is good. So, for example, you could think of perfectionism in a good way, everybody aspiring to be Mm. perfect. So in that way, what does it mean to be ideal you know like is it just to aspire for idealness or Mm, that like mm. maybe we should just go with perfectionism yeah (laughs) okay perfectionism it is okay so the next step is to describe the haven so the haven is essentially the society that we'll be exploring throughout this game it's a society that we'll be creating today at this point in time the haven is quite healthy and is 
thriving, some would say. I would say so. So the, the way we describe the haven is by choosing elements, elements being essentially just single words that describe the setting. So we do that by choosing an element from the list given or creating an element of our own. Okay. I'll go first. So the element I came up with was cavern. I chose dream. And I chose dust. Mm. So we've got cavern, dream, and dust. So now that we've gotten our three elements, we create the physical world and the haven that exists within it using those elements. So this is basically just brainstorming the session, uh, describing how each element combines with one another and defines the world and the haven that we are creating. Uh, as a point, we should avoid talking about the culture. This is specifically just the physical characteristics of the world. Okay, so we have to use all three elements. Yep, I don't know how to incorporate dream into this. Yeah, <laughs> dream and dust. Well, with the dust, I was thinking immediately desert. And then combining that with dream, I was thinking like stardust maybe. Oh, Ooh. I was actually thinking that maybe like I was going around along with what you were saying, Michaela, and I was thinking that maybe the sandstorms in this desert area put you to sleep and make you dream. Ooh. Yeah, that's cool. Like maybe the the dust of the sandstorms actually like infiltrates your dreams. Yeah. It like gives you specific visions or something. It's like the Sandman. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's exactly why I chose Dream in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> this is Michaela's plan all along. Um, and then Kevin works really well um, because if it's this super dusty desert, then the, the inhabitants would want to live in these kind of cavernous, cave-like... Uh, I don't think it's a desert. I'm, I'm actually disagreeing with the desert oh, okay. idea because it's a dust cavern dream. It mm -hmm. doesn't have desert or sand in it. So I think that the dust causes dreams certainly okay, i like yeah, that idea yeah. but i don't like the idea of a desert okay but the dust is not sand dust it's just some kind of dust that's in the air in this place oh yeah so it's maybe breathing too much of the dusty air or maybe it's just that maybe like it's in the air in like a normal amount and then when you get dust storms that's when you have the dreams. Maybe the area is filled with dust storms and just has a relatively high amount of dust in the air as well. And that's where the caverns come in. Mm. Because like maybe the cavernous areas are where the dust isn't as present because mm -hmm. maybe the cold kind of makes the dust fall onto the ground quicker or mm. you know Yeah, for whatever reason. Like, we don't have to know all the properties of this magical dust. For whatever reason, these, like, colder, darker places keep the dust out better. Yeah. So maybe all the, the buildings are very cavernous and, like, partially underground and stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of imagining a little dome entrance and then the rest of the building is all just, like, underground. Oh, yeah. Ooh, maybe, yeah. Maybe all the cities and things are underground. Yeah, that's cool. So you've just got this little, like bumps mm. which are doors yeah yeah no i like that so like these cities these underground cities are like 
in, in these caverns, these almost natural caverns that grow out of the cities and become the cities. Like you, you don't know when cavern ends and city begins. It's all kind of just the one thing. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it would be a whole bunch of these buildings that are all connected in this big, like underground yeah. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the underdark but smaller. Yeah. <laughs> And with magic dust. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want the dust to be like a purpley blue color. Okay. Yes. Are you just bringing more Sandman into this? <laughs> no, it's got nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what does the area look like? What do the caverns and the outside look like? I'm kind of imagining something really clean, like maybe even just like white buildings. But then you've got like this pile up of of like the purple bluey. Dust piling on top. That's cool. So, like, what you can see from the outside is like all these sort of like bumps where the tops of the caverns are, and then this like purpley blue like sheen just across the whole thing. So, if you look at it from afar, it's kind of like just a shimmer. Mm, That's cool. In like inside the building, like, do they still let light in, or is it all like unnatural light inside the buildings? I think I think they do let natural light in. Mm Maybe um, there they are ways to let it in, but obviously they'll have to use candlelight and other lights as yeah. well. Well, I guess as part of the physical future, you could say there's like skylights or something. Like yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, anything else that we want to add to the physical description? Uh, we can we can always come back to it. So yeah, think... yeah, we can always add as we go as well, yeah. right? The next step is traditions. So the flaw that we chose, perfectionism, reveals itself in our culture through traditions. So traditions could be customs, beliefs, practices, really anything that essentially shows how the flaw manifests itself in our society. It's it's basically something that we do or that we believe in. Cool. We are to create six traditions to embody the flaw, and that kind of shows us what our culture is like. So we pick a category from the list of categories provided and then we come up with a tradition that is related to that category that shows or reflects the flaw that we chose which is perfectionism okay i'll choose food so i want to choose death Uh, in that case i will choose religion so now we come up with a tradition related to this category okay so this is a tradition based on the category and it has to have something to do with perfectionism. Who wants to go first? Uh, so once we've described our tradition, then we can ask questions about it if there are any questions. And we can't suggest anything, though. It's very specifically said we can't okay. suggest things. So we just ask questions to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. want to go first, Ozil? Sure. So I think that in our haven, death is looked upon as imperfect. Mm. So what is expected of people is that if they are growing old, like if they've reached a particular age, perhaps 50 or maybe 60, they are strongly encouraged to walk out wow. outside of the haven and to just, you know, give themselves to the elements. In fact, there are no mortuaries or cemeteries or... Um, mm. There's no institutions for dealing with death or dying yes. people. Yeah. There are hospitals, but the moment it's something that you know that cannot be cured, you're just expected to leave. Mm. You, you just, you're, you're supposed to go to the eternal dream, as they call it. Mm. They don't call it death. What if there's a sudden accident 
it and someone dies. Yeah, so I think for the most part there is a group of individuals in the government of dreams that take care of um, quote-unquote death, which doesn't exist, mind you. Mm. Like it doesn't, isn't a thing. So if there was an accident immediately, like I suppose it would almost seem like it's a cover-up or yeah. like it, it's cordoned off, that area is cordoned off and then there's some people there that will take the body outside. Only they know of death. Otherwise, it's just known as a dream. Like the concept of death is almost irrelevant or mm. like not understood in our society. Uh, it's almost like a folk tale or something. Well, like it's it's referred to as eternal sleep or the eternal dream, sorry, because people just don't like we look at death as a stop to things, mm. but they don't see it that way. They don't right. see it as anything because they just think it's just a normal continuation. Like right. It's an eternal dream, right? Yeah, right, like right, it's right. Eternal and yeah. Yeah, okay. That actually makes a lot of sense with what I've got. Okay, do you want to do yours there, Nero? Okay, so religion. So I reckon the dust is worshipped as um, a kind of um, portent of divine wisdom or divine truth. And the priests of dust, known as dreamers, receive visions from the dust and implement those instructions. So, like, the dust is a way for them to essentially um, learn what perfection is and what they should do in their in their city and in their lives to achieve perfection. And the dreamers must be chosen by the dust. So, how are the dreamers chosen by the dust? Um, well, maybe the current generation of dreamers goes looking for the next generation and so all the kids have to go to like the temple where the dust is accessed um, and receive visions from the dust to find the next generation of dreamers yeah okay okay can i make a suggestion for a physical future then okay a physical feature uh just going back to the previous section of describing the city mm-hmm Maybe they could have a temple that's above ground and that's like where they go. Yeah, Aww. cool. So instead of the dust kind of like coming into the city, you go to the dust or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think that's cool. So my one was food and it's pretty simple. Um, basically, meal times are always at 9 a.m., 1 p.m., and 7 p.m. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> Well, because the dust said, because there's <laughs> a sense of regularity about it, like it's spaced five hours apart. And oh, yeah. I see. Right, like maybe this is what both the dust and the people um, of the society forget is like most nutritionally optimal or something. Awesome. So the next step is to add a symbol for each tradition. So a symbol could be a person, a place or a thing that's emblematic of the tradition. Um, it gives us more information about the tradition and it, it's a way of showing the tradition in play. Mm. So we essentially pass our traditions to the person to our left. So I give it to you, Michaela, and you to your left. And then we add a symbol to that tradition. Okay. And the symbol is supposed to sort of give a little bit more detail, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I get your one as well. Yeah. So Michaela does death 
I do food and as well does religion. Mm-hmm. So the symbol I thought of for religion, for your idea of religion, is the office of the head dreamer. Mm. Just the head dreamer and the attire that he wears. And the head dreamer wears this very dark, very deep, silk-like purple robes that cover his whole body. It, it's, it's a very rare color uh, to be used because you can only make it by like by actually going and getting the dust and then kind of diluting it and the dust is well kind of holy in a sense and it's it's dangerous to go outside for a long period of time as well so only the people in the temple tend to go out and you know obtain the dust for clothing and so purple is probably only worn by the head dreamer yeah so i'm assuming that the head dreamer it's a lifetime position so once you get it you're there for your life so there's only one head dreamer every sort of few decades or so. Yes. Yeah. So the the purple robes are still a symbol of the religion just because they're so holy and sort of difficult to obtain the dye. It's a symbol of power and just prestige and, mm. you know, just, yeah. Yeah, cool. So my symbol is called the eternal door and it's basically a door and when you go through that door, there's a really high concentration of, of dust so basically, the minute you step out there, you will be consumed by the dust. And so that's where elderly Ooh. people or sick people go when they realize it's their time. Mm, that's nice. I love that. Mm, okay. Um, my one is um, the big clock that's in the sort of city center. And um, it's set to chime at cert- like with certain rings at certain hours um so relating to the food it goes at all the meal times so that everybody knows that it's the meal time and there's like schedule for the day like listed underneath the Mm. clock as well cool so now that we've come up with symbols for our three traditions we then repeat this process one more time so we pick another category from the list oh yeah so you can choose the same category that was already used but can't be the same as somebody else is choosing this round yeah i'm gonna choose art okay i'm gonna go for the government i'll go with justice so now we come up with the tradition right so mine is that every five years there is a contest run and that contest um pits the youth against one another to determine who is the most perfect both in appearance just personality general behavior and that sort of thing so the people who win the contest there can be multiple winners of course then they get put into those government positions wow so it's essentially a meritocracy of sorts if the merit is (laughs) being perfect (laughs) wow so can you can you run again because it's every five years, right? So can you run again? That's a very interesting question. And you said it's for the youth. So is there a cutoff point of age? So I think um, it is every five years and there is no particular cutoff point. Anyone can enter, but generally speaking, only the youth win because appearance um, right. is a major factor in the competition. Somebody can run again, but again, it comes down to perfectionism. And I think that they they are able to run again. It's just harder because the older you are, the harder it is. Yeah, cool. So, art. Um, So I think um, 
obviously the art in this city is all about the strive for um, artistic and aesthetic perfection and it's influenced by the dust and the dreamers to some extent because the dreamers sort of dictate what is supposed to be aesthetic perfection but there's also a lot of philosophical debate among artists about what is the most perfect form of art um, and there's a few various schools there's um, those who believe that like geometric shapes and stuff like that is artistic perfection and there's those who believe that complete realism is artistic perfection that kind of stuff um, so there's a few sort of competing schools of art or like theories of artistic perfection um, but the artwork that gets sort of lauded and celebrated is kind of determined by the dreamers and the head dreamer of the time and what they believe is perfect. Mm. So would you say there isn't much variation in what's represented in terms of art yeah. in the city? Yeah, basically. It's kind of like if you think that this thing is artistic perfection, then um, all you'll produce is that. Um, so there's like like I said, there's like a few different schools of thought. Um, so there is some variation, but a lot of what gets produced is pretty much the same. Um, and like maybe even sometimes people will um, recreate existing works and just change like minor details to try to make it more perfect. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Michaela? So my category was justice. And in a court case, basically the head dreamer will receive visions that reveal if the person accused is guilty or innocent. Um, and there's no lawyers in these courts, but basically in the vision, there's evidence that is revealed that can like prove the accused's um, guilt or innocence. And so, like, I've kind of made it that the detectives step in after court cases so that they can do less work. So basically the vision <laughs> reveals, he used this knife to murder this person or something. And then the, de the detectives just have to go and find the knife. Right. So there'll be, like, evidence presented from the visions and then the detectives will kind of take that evidence presented and try to make, like, a full case out of it. Yeah, basically. Where did the visions come from? Um, the head dreamer. So wherever he receives his, probably from the temple, I'm presuming. Oh, let's leave it ambiguous. Okay. <laughs> and uh, one more point. Um, if they're convicted, they don't go to prison. They just become novices. Really? Oh. They're taken into the temple. Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay. Actually, I have a question. Are there different levels of crimes or is it just all the same punishment to be taken to the church I mean the temple I guess they should be no they don't have um, to they, it doesn't have to be I'm just curious it's up to you I'm just I'm just thinking like maybe maybe the the public doesn't hear about everything like given that there's this whole secrecy around death I feel like murders and things like that won't actually make it out into the public so we don't really know what happens there but I'd say most people become novices. So if people commit murder and stuff, what happens to them? We don't know. It's all shrouded in mystery. I think it's... Yeah. I kind of touched on it with my um, tradition previously about death and that no one knows. It's just assumed that they've 
you know, joined the temple or they've gone out. It, it's a normal thing for people to just walk out. So now that we've explained our last traditions, we now swap our traditions with the person to our right. So in this case, Michaela, you'll be giving yours to me and so forth. And we come up with a symbol for that tradition. So Azul does justice. I do government and Michaela does art. Mm-hmm. Oh, art's the hard <laughs> So I think my symbol is that in the temple, you can tell the people who work there, work in quotation marks, who do so voluntarily and those who have been conscribed because of crimes. Because the people are forced into labor have a mark that is burned onto their eye, not their eyeball, but around their eye, which is, it's, all, it's like this. Um, uh, imagine a pentagram around your left eye and then an, another, sorry, not a pentagram, a pentagon on your around your eye and then another pentagon that's slightly rotated, tilted to one side. So it's like overlapped, so two pentagons overlapped on, one on the other mm-hmm. and it's around your eye. Because this culture is so obsessed with perfectionism, doing something to your body in such a way is just the antithesis of perfectionism. Okay, so for art, the symbol I was thinking is this place called the Sky Gallery. So it's really just like this big um, pane of glass looking towards the sky and all you see is the sky and the, the dust that comes past. And this is where artists go to get inspiration for what is perfection in art. Oh, That's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's like an open dome, is it? Or yeah, it could be a dome. Yeah. So the idea, the yeah, the idea is that all you see is the sky, and then like the purple blue things, dust. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. Um. So I was thinking that all people who get elected into the government go on to the plaque of perfection (laughs) (laughs) so they're listed in a big like golden plaque that's also in the center of the city so that they can be remembered for generations yeah yeah i like that so now that we've come up with all our traditions next is one of the biggest decisions we have to make in the whole game we have to name our haven oh my god so what say you all you both dream town it's dream bit more serious (laughs) (laughs) what yeah what do we think this is is this a town is it a city is it like a I think it's a huge metropolitan, like, expanse of a city. I was thinking it was the city, yeah. Okay. The city of dust. No? Okay. (laughs) Can it have no name? Because to name a town would be imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how that gives me an idea. I think that the name of the city is going to be a palindrome. Oh, Mm. yes. Symmetrical. Oh, this is nice. Tricky. <laughs> okay, yeah, what is it? What could it be? It could have like something to do with purple in the name. Mm. How about Salas? Salas. Salas. Ooh. Kind of. Does like it, it mean anything? S A. I don't think so. Double L? No, single L. Single L. Yeah. Salas. I'd be okay with that. Salas. No, let's just let's go with Salas. Salas. Mm. Salas. Okay. 
Salas it is. I do not know what it means, but there you have it. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it means anything. So next, we create characters. So the three characters that we need to create are the Fallen, the Hero, and the Pillar. So the pillar is essentially a character that represents ordinary people, the average citizens who are content and okay with life at Salas. They accept the status quo um, while either ignoring or avoiding or just, you know, being blissfully ignorant of how their flaw is harming Salas. The hero is someone who's willing to stand against the flaw in the face of Salas's coming distraction. The hero is generally the main character of our story, for all intents and purposes. And then we finally have the fallen. The fallen is the character or the force or the organization or whatever it is um, that is our main antagonist. They represent The fallen represents the people who are trying to strengthen and enforce perfectionism, enforce the flaw, even even if it literally spells doom for the haven, in which, in, in our case, Salas. So we need to create these three characters together using a collaborative process that kind of interlinks the relationships between everybody um, and fleshes out them as well. We'll obviously get to know them as we go about into the scenes as well. Um, but we can start with the hero and see where we where we go with it. Um, I think the main thing that you need to remember about the hero, the hero's tag phrase could be our only hope, but they will fail. Because we know that they will fail, but they are our only hope. Yeah. So there are three questions that we need to discuss regarding the hero. The first question is the occupation of the hero. The second is the rebellion of the hero, the cause of their rebellion and why they oppose the flaw. And the third question is the identity of our hero. So let's start off with the occupation perhaps. Mm -hmm. We need to choose a tradition and then we choose, we give the hero a position that is related to that tradition. I have an idea if I may suggest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it would be cool if the hero used to be part of the Institute of Dreams. Yeah, I like that. Part of the temple? Not exactly. The Institute of Dreams is technically not connected to the temple. Oh, the Institute of Dreams is the government? It's part of the government. The, okay. the group that does the dealings with death. Alright. Oh, so this is like, it's kind of like the Secret Service almost. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Okay, I like that. And I think the hero was a... Ooh, what what are the agents in the Institute of Dream called? The Awakened? Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought about the opposite of dreamers. And, <laughs> but it would make sense because they're the only ones who know the reality who of know, like, right? death. Yeah. Okay, I like that. So I think they're an Awakened from the Institute of Dreams. Although, do we want to call it the Institute of Dreams or do we want to call it the Institute of Sleep? Ooh. The Institute of Sleep, I think, is better. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So the next part of determining our hero is the rebellion. So what we choose a tradition that the hero disagrees with and explain why they oppose it. So they're connected to death. Well, it says that this can be a different tradition from the occupation or the same one. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense for it to be the lack of knowledge about death, the sort of brushing under the carpet of death that they're not okay with. So like the falsity of it. The, yeah. The disingenuousness. Yeah, or like the mystery that surrounds it and the, the constant brushing under the carpet. Yeah, why are we doing this? Why yeah. are we not telling anyone? Kind yeah. Of thing? Yeah, so... They could believe that sort of 
that's dangerous or it's just disingenuous or whatever or it could could be that they they want um people to they want to bring death back into the walls they want death to be seen as normal again i'm just trying to think which one they would be opposing um it would be like the government or religion or just death again Mm, it's kind of a combination but i feel like everything kind of links back to the religion like this whole yeah that's what i was just gonna say the whole like everything's connected to the dust and the head dreamer kind of has his hand in everything yeah exactly so i think then yeah i'm I'm leaning towards that as well i think the tradition is the religion tradition that we came up with uh, with the head dreamer yep so religion why do you oppose it yeah why why does the hero disagree with the religion well because everybody's kind of looking to this head dreamer as like like, is there some kind of... Because as an Awakened, this person knows the reality of death. Like, is it that they feel that the religion... I don't, I don't think they know the reality of death. They just know that they're hiding or not saying the full... Like, they know that there is this thing uh, when people okay. stop moving and not breathe and stuff like that. But they don't right. really know They don't know what it is. About it. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it's just that they feel that the dreamers are lying to them or not revealing the full story that mm. i like yeah, yeah. maybe that maybe you know I, combining your idea michaela and your idea and is i think like the dreamers are kind of in control of everything and also they're not telling him or her what the whole thing is about like why they're doing their job yeah they've just been asked yeah. to do it and last but not least who is the hero the identity of the hero what does what do they look like? What's their name? What would they say to you if you slap them? <laughs> That's not in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be. <laughs> I'm imagining this like rugged cop that smokes cigars and drinks whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Is there something you're not telling us before? <laughs> That's just the, the image that I got in my head, like someone who who kind of like has it in them to go rogue. Yeah, right. I like that idea. I just don't think they should be too rugged because they're trying to fit into this society that values perfection highly. So maybe they are, they do have a bit of that like cigar smoking rogue cop vibe about them, but they're just a bit more put together, a bit more like a high class security agent or something like high class special agent yeah they clean they clean shaven yes they're clean shaven <laughs> so so is, is what we're saying so this person is like kind of like rugged but well shaven so he's the capability of being rugged and yeah it's a man is what you two wanted as well yeah i think we've we've gone with man at this point yep <laughs> slightly slightly older i'd say like maybe he's in his 40s yeah 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 like a silver fox type and yeah, I feel like he's um, divorced and maybe has a kid that he can't see that often because he's Ooh. like so absorbed in his job and there's so much like mm-hmm. secrecy mm-hmm. around it that mm. I guess his wife was like, I can't take this anymore and like left with, <laughs> left with the kid. Left with the kid. Okay. So how old is the kid? It would be cool if they were like... A teenager, because mm-hmm. then they could be like old enough to understand everything. 
Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, and so are you thinking that he's a bit of a workaholic? Yeah, with his job, he kind of has to be ready yeah, to work right. at any point because, like, if someone, you know, dies, they just have to, like, go there as soon as possible and conceal it in some way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just a demanding job. So he's got a teenage child. Yeah. I'd say like 17, so he's still like, I guess, not legally an adult, but kind of rebellious because he's almost Yeah, like on the cusp of adulthood. Um, Did you say you think it's a son? Yeah, uh, it doesn't have to be. Do we want to go ahead and make that a daughter? Yeah. Okay. What shall we call our hero? What kind of names do you think they would give to people in this place? Ooh, all of them need to be palindromes. <laughs> all the na- I feel like everybody's going to be just like chosen from a pool of like three names. <laughs> um, so there's Ada, Anna, Bob, L, Eve, Hannah, Otto. Are you just reading off a list? Yes. Nevin, Silas, Arta, um, Cyrus. I kind of like the sort of more interesting sounding names like Arta or Cyrus. Uh, or I like Cyrus. Cyrus? Yeah, I feel like it goes with... Salus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cyrus of Salus. Cyrus of Salus. So, to, to summarize then, the hero is a mm-hmm. awakened mm-hmm. who is somewhat mm-hmm. disillusioned with his work because he does not believe in hiding all of this information from the people. In fact, he doesn't really know the meaning behind what death is and that sort yeah. of thing as well. Yeah. The hero disagrees with the temple's control over everything. He disagrees with how the temple has been propagating information and just the general idea that, you know, even even crimes are determined by the head dreamer. Yeah. The hero looks to be like a well-shaven, rugged kind of individual. Um, he he's he's well built, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's well, of course, Michaela would say yes. Um, he's well built and generally, like, he, he could have a rugged look if not for the fact that he keeps himself quite clean. Um, his name is Cyrus. That's, uh, is that a C I? No, it's S I R I S. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. So that is the hero. Cool. So now we do the fallen. Correct. Um, yep, so. The Fallen is one of many who promote the flaw, challenge the hero, and make their struggle difficult. So we choose a relationship to the hero. Uh, We choose between family, friend, guardian, leader, or lover. I thought, uh, based on what you brought up, maybe the Fallen could be the daughter. I was thinking maybe the pillar. It would be a bit more interesting, because like a bit less expected. Yeah, the pillars generally functions as like a neutral character. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so the Fallen doesn't have to be like the representative of the floor necessarily, which no, would be the can... state. It's just somebody who is actively promoting the floor. Yes, somebody who is for the floor. Um, like essentially uh, the fallen actively promotes the floor's growth within the haven yeah okay i would be i I like the idea of the daughter being the fallen then yeah yeah Yeah. if you're okay with that yeah that sounds good cool so we got family so the next is occupation 
What do you do? What tradition is your occupation connected to? Maybe what if she is、uh, a novice in the temple? I was thinking the same thing, because I would have imagined that the temple kind of chooses their novices at a very young age. So she could、yeah. even be higher up than a novice, because it's always to do with the youth, right? Mm. So mm. maybe she's actually quite high up as a teenager. Maybe not like quite high up. But、not super high, but like definitely like but above, like above novice. novice. Yeah. Okay. What if each dreamer had an apprentice? Yeah, that's a good idea. It's like an apprentice dreamer. Yeah, or a dreamer's apprentice. I like dreamer's apprentice. Yeah,、I、like the idea that the dreamers are decided based on appearance. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were chosen by the dust. No, they are. Yeah. So, like in reality,、mm. it would just be them dreaming. So their dreams would be the cause of how. So like, would they just lie, or could they? Yeah, I guess they could, right? Or I guess like, yeah, I guess like it would leave things open to corruption by the dreamers because they could essentially just choose whoever they wanted. Yeah, which kind of leads into like the appearance thing, right? Because they'd want to, yeah, like pick the most perfect people. Yeah, yeah. I think it shouldn't be just based off appearance, though. There should be like sort of virtues that they look for as well. Yeah, loyalty. Yeah. Close-mindedness. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't question the temple, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, and you you got to be like perfect in your sort of manners and your、um, approach and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Which would be really hard for teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of like that's why I think when you're chosen to be a dreamer as a teenager, it's a big thing because、yeah. like that means you've clearly like fanatically loyal to the temple. Yeah, you've done a good job. As a, a novice, so the occupation that she'd be connected to is、um, religion. Yes,、yeah, so、the tradition that's related to the occupation would be re-、uh, religion. Yeah. So next is identity. Describe yourself. What do you look like? What's like the the perfect teenage girl? That's、mm. tricky. Well, perfect according to to this society. Sal- Salas. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a fanatic for sure. Yeah, like straightforward, mild-mannered, a bit modest. <laughs> I think she's very sharp.、Mm. She did rise through the ranks quite quickly. Yeah, I feel like I wanted to have some similarity to her father, and it really annoys her that she、mm-hmm. looks so similar to her father. Oh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. She must be very good-looking though. Yeah. Okay, so then. They both、yeah. must be. There'd probably be a lot of good-looking people in、yeah. the town, considering in the city, considering how much they value it. Maybe they can both have、um, really strong jawlines and cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. What's the name? Ava, Aurora, Anona, Ivy. So maybe like Ava. Yeah, I like Ava. Yeah, we can go for Ava then. Yeah. Yeah. What's her like fashion sense? What would a typical outfit be? As an apprentice, does she have like a uniform? I think she would.、Mm-hmm. Yeah,、um, maybe. Oh, a color that's important, like a、mm. dark color. I'm thinking, like similar to pepper, but not exactly. Do like a dark blue. So like a blue. Yeah, a dark blue. Yeah. And only temple people can wear blue. Yeah. Are there so other apprentices and the dreamers? Do they have the same color robes or different? Because there could be colors for the different like roles. Do you think maybe then we can have the apprentices have a light blue and the 
famous yeah. in the dark blue. So light blue for apprentice. Like I was thinking something like a sky or cerulean blue. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like a deep blue or like indigo blue for the dreamers. Yeah, admiral navy, that sort mm. of thing. I'll just add to the daughter that she is estranged from her dad. Oh, okay, like how estranged are we talking? Well, because he, he doesn't have like custody over like... Mm. over her so I'm not sure I kind of like your idea Michaela from before that he was I don't remember whose idea it was but it was he was a workaholic initially so it wasn't that he's a worker workaholic it's just that his job is very demanding but I think he'd also he'd also be the type of person that just kind of throws himself into his work right yeah that's what I imagined okay. so. it just because then there's a motivation initial motivation for her daughter to find meaning elsewhere yeah and then right she goes to the temple and then kind of finds her family there mm, and it makes mm. sense that she truly and fundamentally believes that the temple is right mm. and doing the best they can for salas maybe one of her ways of rebelling against her dad is by being so devoted to the temple um because her dad kind of always doesn't speak so highly of it. I think initially that would have been the case, but now I feel like she truly believes um, as Yeah, well. I think it's really important that she does genuinely believe and has found a sense of purpose there. Um, in terms of her estrangement from her father, I think, yeah, as she's gotten older, they've gotten more estranged as their lives have kind of diverged and she's more independent from both her parents and also he doesn't have custody of her. Um, but oh, maybe that's a temple. When you when you become a novice in the temple, you immediately custody immediately goes to the temple. Oh, really? So like when you become a novice, you just live in the temple. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Or at least when she's an apprentice, because she is kind of higher. So maybe novices still have yeah, still have their own homes, except for the criminals. <laughs> so the pillar pillar is a normal person of Haven, content to live in the society they are a part of. There are many within the Haven who are complacent. The pillar is just one of them. So first of all, we need to decide the relationship to the hero. So same deal as with the fallen, what's the connection? Family, friend, guardian, leader, lover. So someone he can come to who he really trusts. Yeah, so someone who doesn't necessarily share the same suspicions as him, but he trusts enough to be able to talk. Maybe he's got a drinking buddy. Okay. Oh yeah, I like that. Maybe the drinking buddy is an artist that can't really find success. I like that. Down on his luck artist. (laughs) (laughs) And so they kind of like meet at a bar every night and just kind of discuss their troubles. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So maybe someone of a similar age to him. Like maybe they've known each other for a long time. But remember that even though it's a you know annoyed artist, they're they're content with the society they're living. Yeah, in. they are they are content. Yeah, he could just be. He doesn't have to be like bitter. Yeah, about his lack of success. It's more just like, oh, I didn't become like super successful, but I'm still doing okay. I want to name the bar that they go to. Oh uh, yeah. Hmm. What would a bar in Salas be called? Is everything a palindrome? <laughs> <laughs> This time, oh, the bar could be more like a phrase palindrome. Yeah. That could be nice, just to mix things up. How about taco cat? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> they don't eat tacos. <laughs> they drink whiskey. <laughs> How about top spot? Oh, yeah. Top spot. Top spot. That's pretty good. Yeah. Top spot. 
Cool. So now his occupation. Choose a tradition and give the pillar a position or role in the haven that relates to it. So we kind of talked about that already. So he Um, relates to the tradition of art. Do you want to maybe elaborate on what he does? Yeah, because there's the sort of like thing um, where all the artists are trying to strive for artistic perfection and there's different views on what that means do we want to think about where he sits Mm. on that i was also thinking what medium he works in as well oh yeah good point yeah maybe hyperrealism hyperrealism so he's on the hyperrealistic side yeah cool and yeah what medium does he i guess if he's in the hyperrealism side might just be paint, paint yeah, sketching, oil, oil, yeah, yeah, oil paint and sketching. So maybe like people who do landscapes are just able to earn a better income because that's kind of what the temple promotes as good art because they've got the sky gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's relatively easy for artists to earn like a sort of middling wage just by selling stuff to the temple and maybe to some, you know people who want to have uh, a kind of religious-y painting in their home or something. He'd be like a portrait artist, and that's why he's struggling. Yeah, uh, I, I like that idea. I was thinking okay, the same thing, because okay. he's trying to capture perfection. But All right. Yeah, oh, yeah, that is just... that's harder. Okay, nice. I like that. Cool. Are we happy with that for the occupation? Yeah. yeah. Okay, identity. Describe the pillar. What does the pillar look like? Mm. So we're thinking that the pillar's name is Kallak, C-A-L-L-A-C, but he wants everyone to pronounce it with a kind of like French flair. Kallak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think he can be like really handsome in some way. I mean, they're all mm. very attractive. <laughs> they're all yeah, very attractive but like, people, but yeah. So Cyrus is like the rugged attractive and this he would be like the yeah maybe this guy's more like a refined beauty kind of attractive yeah i'm i'm kind of thinking of like you know victorian artists kind yeah, of yeah 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 like, like very boyish <laughs> yeah like a kind of lord byron aesthetic is what i'm picturing i guess like yeah quite a gentleman quite always wearing a suit kind of thing yeah yeah, nice. I think that's good for the pillar. Cool. We're ready. Ready to start. How will the perfect civilization of Salis crumble? Will the hero be able to uncover the truth? The story begins on the next episode of Don't Forget Your Towel. Hello, hello, says the outro. I hope you enjoyed the creation of Our Haven. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at dfyt underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready. <laughs>